You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to 32 Fans. I'm Alex Jester. With me as always, Wheels Wienerker. Wheels, how's it rolling? It's going okay. We had some technical difficulties. I feel like I wasted like a half hour of you guys' life, but this is our first time doing a podcast. We'll get it down. If you only wasted half hour of my life, it'd be a good day. Yeah. Listen, any just anticipating doing podcasts is probably the highlight of your day. I mean, <laughs> getting yelled at by your boss for 10 hours, then getting yelled at you by your wife. Yourself. And she like steals the remote and makes you watch like Real Housewives of Wichita, Kansas, and then it's it. you go to sleep. Not, not even Real Housewives. I way prefer that. She watches the uh, the Vanderpump Rules. That's a much worse one. Uh huh. There's a new Kardashian exercise show. That's a worse one. Kardashian exercise show. Something like it's a. Uh, I'm out on both the, both of those things. That sounds horrible. Av. Yeah. Do you, we didn't we didn't call Av in, but Av, do you watch the Kardashian exercise show? Yeah, we have a guest here to discuss movies. I don't know what the the Kardashians have an exercise show. Yeah, it's Chloe Kardashian, I think. Oh. Are those, those are the like guys you're... from the uh, the OJ show? I think so. I think yeah. I think they grew up or something like that. Why don't you introduce our guest, Alex? I think uh, the mother became like a uh, producer of a of pornography for her daughters or something like that, and, and they've turned that. Uh, into these are very timely of... jokes, Chester. Why not uh, yeah. introduce our guest? Because we got a lot to get to today. All right. So we do have a guest, as Akiva said. Akiva wanted to rank the top 10 movies of 2016. The problem is I haven't seen 10 movies from 2016. So he went and found somebody who saw 138 movies in 2016. So joining us is a, a guy who apparently does nothing but watch movies all day, Av Sinetsky. Av, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So tell us, break down that 138 podcast uh, movies. How many of them did you see in theaters? How many did you see at home? What What's the most number of movies you saw like in one day? Give us some... Uh, of your breakdown of your 138 movies you saw in 2016? So I would say I saw about somewhere in the 40s in theaters this year. Uh, going to the movie theater is one of my favorite things to do. Um, I'm probably one of the only people left in America that still sees movies in a movie theater. Uh, the other 100 or so I saw at home, uh, either you know streaming on demand or you know on Netflix, Amazon, or you know various other ways of obtaining movies. Yeah, that's so that's 100 movies that you didn't see in the theater, but you really saw like a tremendous amount of sort of like these small movies that, uh, well, you must have some like mysterious ways of, uh, you're not in the podcasters guild, you must be in some sort of union or something that's in Yeah, listen, if you, if you look hard enough, you could find almost anything on the internet. These All right, days. fair enough. I don't know. Last night, you guys told me to watch one of three movies, and I, I looked pretty hard. Oh. I could, I found one of the three 
I think I saw Man. I found Manchester by the Sea. I could watch for fifteen dollars. I didn't want to pay fifteen dollars to be. I could have sent you the other thousand links for any of those three movies, and the other two I could not find at all. So. I mean, that's absurd. Yeah, that's I just, could, you're I just. Could have, I could have easily uh, yeah. hooked you up. I mean, there. I looked. I looked on demand. I looked at iTunes. I went on Can I Stream It? I went on YouTube. I went everywhere. So I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, you're not. I, definitely, right YouTube places. probably would have been like the wrong place to look for like two week old movies, but I'm sure we could. No, that's where something. that's where I found Manchester by the Sea. Actually, it was on YouTube. Manchester by the Sea is on YouTube right now. Yeah, but for fifteen bucks. Oh, okay, fine. No, no, no. we, we would have figured something. Uh, out. Like five ninety nine is fine. Even seven ninety nine. Fifteen seems like a lot to watch a movie, you know, at home. Right. You literally could have left your house and gone like a couple blocks away and seen it for fifteen bucks. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, how much to see is... if anybody had uh, put it on Vine, scene by scene? <laughs> <laughs> that uh, but Manchester by the Sea is such a bad Vine movie. Also, I wonder what would like the best <laughs> Vine movie be. Probably Acreman. Um, I mean, you have to cut them pretty tight because, you know, you have to, like, cut some at four seconds. Otherwise, you swallow the jokes. Anyway, uh, we got 138 movies. We're not going to get to all of them, but I want to start from 138, work down. We'll only talk about a few of the really bad ones. We'll get into the, the good stuff pretty quickly. For, but overall, do you think this was a, a good year for movies, like a really good year, a terrible year? What do you think? Uh, I, I would say it was a well above average year. I know some, some people make fun of me that every year I say it was a great a great year for movies. And, you know, I guess we're just in a, a good era of movies these days. Um, I think it was better than last year for sure. And I think, you know, compared to two years ago when, you know, Boyhood is to me one of the best movies ever made. And I don't think there was anything quite like that this year. But, you know... The, the depth of the movies this year and the, just the amount of really high-quality movies is, I think, the best year we've had in quite some time. Um, I, I would agree. Boyhood is my number one movie the last few years. Um, there were uh, probably more good movies this year than any year I can remember. But uh, yeah, I, I, they, you I know what I think? Heard. I think there was more A-minus movies than ever and more B-plus movies than ever. Yeah, I mean, you know, going over my list when I was making it, I just found that, you know, even like very far down in, you know, like the 60s, 70s, I'm still, you know, these are movies that I really enjoyed seeing and would recommend people to go see. And, you know, that's a pretty great thing to say that there was, you know, close to 100 movies that are were of high quality that are worth seeing. I don't think that's the case most years. Right. So let's start with the low quality movies and we'll work our way down. Um, so you have your movies in tiers and from 138 to 135, you have the movies that you found so bad you couldn't finish them. But let's talk about your worst movie of the year, a movie I've never heard of called Look Who's Back. Tell me about that. So Look Who's Back is a movie that I just accidentally stumbled on on Netflix. And basically the premise is uh, Adolf Hitler awakes in, you know, roughly the year, you know, the present day. And he, I guess, you know, something happened in that bunker that we don't quite understand. But he doesn't realize that no time has passed. You know, he still thinks he's, you know, the chancellor of Germany and running the world. And, you know, as he starts walking around, it becomes clear to him that something's amiss and he kind of try to has to adjust to the present day, both in which, you know, technology has modernized significantly and which, you know, he's not the chancellor of Germany and people don't view Adolf Hitler as a positive figure in Germany anymore. And, you know, when I saw this premise, to me, this is like gold because, you know, Holocaust movies and, you know, even Holocaust humor is right up my alley. So, you know, if... I was I viewed myself as the target audience for this movie and I couldn't have been more disappointed. It was just, you know, beyond awful. It, 
had, you know, one joke basically that just kept, they kept going back to the well of, you know, is this oh, an American movie or a German movie? No, this is a German uh, movie. I saw it. I liked it. I don't know why I was hating on this movie. <laughs> it's a German movie with English subtitles. Um, I, you know, I, I did not laugh one time. I did not find anything interesting about it. So first I, of all, Av, I would say that the target audience is not you. The target audience is a German audience, clearly. This is a movie made in Germany for Germans by Germans in well, Germany. yes. I mean, I, I was obviously being, you know, yeah. a little uh, exaggerating there. But, <laughs> but, just, but I, thought, I, thought it was ve- I thought it was very funny. If nothing else, the outfits he wears. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I I just found it, you know, extremely brutal to get through. In fact, I didn't get through it. It was a little um, boring. As I've said, you know, I if, if this was an SNL skit that lasted three and a half minutes, it probably could have been pulled off well. But oh. as a two-hour movie, not even close. All right, next, that I, describes what? most SNL movies, actually. <laughs> uh, that's fair. That's fair. So maybe they should have tried this as a sketch first before going for the full, the full feature. All right, so this was as good as A Night at the Roxbury for you. I, I haven't seen a, a Night of the Rock similar. story, but I would imagine it was I would more of a that. lady. It was more of a ladies' man-ish. Uh, at one thirty-one, you have Batman versus Superman. A lot of people had that really low down on their list. Nobody had it. There's always like one hot take guy who has it. Who would have a movie like this that was pretty, you know, disliked as like their number three. But I didn't see any of that this year. I didn't see anyone who like hot take this movie to their top ten. So I didn't see yeah, this movie. I'm, Tell me about it. I would say this was actually the only movie of the year that I saw knowing I wouldn't like it just because the reviews for it were so bad that I just, you know, had to understand how a movie with Batman and Superman in it could be this bad. And, you know, the, the everyone was right. It was just really bad. The, the characters all do things over and over and over again that just make absolutely no sense. You never at any point understand what anyone's motivations are, why are they doing the things that they're doing. And they somehow turn these, you know, two icons of American culture that have just brought so much joy to people over the last hundred years into characters without any any color, any happiness, any anything. They were there was no heroes in this movie. You know, people had superpowers, but there was no heroes. Everyone was just I don't even know why they were doing what they were doing. It was just that bad. Uh, I want. What do you think? You know, I was thinking about this today, like. There's so many great sort of like, um, you know, we talk about like the golden age of com- of TV and there's like a lot of good comedies coming down the pipeline. But I, what was the funniest movie you saw this year? The funniest movie I saw that was a straight up comedy would probably be Deadpool. Um, you know, is that was that I really a straight really... up comedy? Well, can I ask a question of what do you include on your movies list? I guess this is a slight segue. For example, you, you mentioned a Netflix movie you include. Do you include Netflix stand up specials? Uh, I don't. I mean, I happen to not have seen any this year, but I, if I did, I wouldn't have. I think the rule is, like, Oscar eligible. Like, it has to be shown in at least one theater. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't I didn't really Wait, think. So, so then what about, like, HBO movies? HBO movies are movies. No, to me, they're – to me, they're – first of all, if they're, like, trying to win awards, then they show them in a theater. But HBO movies are, like, Emmy movies, so that's TV <laughs> for me. Yeah, I mean, this is just, like, a, a Potter Stewart thing to me. You know what a movie is. I don't think we have to debate what a movie is. Right. So, I, I mean, I think that maybe the funniest movie I saw this year was Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. But it was also not a good movie at all. And it's not in your top 100. You have it 107. Yeah, so Popstar. Can we, can we just resolve this for a second? So Behind the Candelabra, for example, Akiva, did you consider that a movie no, or no? No, that's definitely a television show or a TV movie. Well, a, a TV movie is a movie. Yeah. It no. Has the TV, word movie yeah, but it. when it's people a movie that airs on TV. I mean, first of all, that was probably a miniseries, right? Was that two nights? 
No, it was one movie. That was one movie. Okay, what about the Larry David movie? Um, you know, the one where he plays. Yeah, no, those are. Yes, because you just you just described it as the Larry David movie. No, I'm agreeing with you. I'm you guys are both wrong. They should not be on this list. Your top ten, your top hundred, whatever, top one thirty eight needs to be. It needs to have been shown in a theater. You know, this ostensibly we're not doing. Even when's the last time you went to a theater? A horrible boss is one. I the 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 um listen. If you want to make a list of 140 movies, like this is, it has to be, have been shown in a theater once. This is essentially like this isn't an Oscar preview because I feel like everyone does that, so we're just counting down every movie this year. I'm, we're not. I don't even think we're going to talk about the Oscars, but um, these movies need to be Oscar eligible. That's the rule. All right. Well, you know, I, I don't really see it that way. If it's a movie, but I don't think really, you have you know, any movies here that really break the rule. Not nothing really. Uh, I, ha- I have, I think, a couple of HBO right. movies, but I think that's about it. Right. Because a, a movie we'll talk about later. Which was shown on television, but definitely counts as a movie because it was first shown in, in a theater once. Um, all right, so that's that's like everything outside your top hundred. Um, I wanted to talk about um, uh, well, actually, let's do uh, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, which is ninety four. Yeah. I saw mm-hmm. it. I didn't see it in the theater, which I imagine is much different. Did you see this movie in the theater? I did, but you know, uh, I didn't see it, you know, the right way. You know, the, the way it was, you know, this movie was filmed in a very specific way that I don't understand. You know, 120 frames per second. I'm not a, I'm not a film expert here, so I don't necessarily know what that means. But I didn't see it in that format. So, and Akiva, you did not read the book, also, correct? I did not read the book. I was going to, but I saw the okay. movie. I've read the book. So I, I, I read the book, did not see the movie. Akiva saw the movie, did not read the book. Av did both. Yes, um, it was. It's one of my favorite books of the last few years. Uh, I thought it just really captured a moment in time in American history, and just had a lot to say about the nature of war, the nature of patriotism, the nature of you know how sports has taken over our culture. In you know, it was for such an unrealistic worse. movie, though. By the way, can I tell you the two least? Hold movies? on, this is my question. Did Jerry Jones read this book? Prediction of. Did Jerry Jones read this book? I would guess not. No, he can't even I mean, read it. Did he see the movie? Have you ever seen his face? Did he's got? He's did he got see the movie? Oh, I would guess not. He must be aware of it, though. Oh, I'm, I'm sure, sure he's aware of it, but oh, probably, probably somebody told permission him. Before they filmed. No, of course they didn't ask permission. No, if they asked permission, they would have called him Jerry yeah. Jones. They didn't ask permission to mock a guy to like make fun no, of I'm Jerry sure Jones. He turned, no, my point is they asked and the, and the league said no, or Jerry Jones said no. Oh, no, maybe. there's no, there's no. Well, f- there's no chance that happened for the book, for sure not. Well, why would you ask? A hundred percent, it did not. That makes no sense. And there's no chance that they would approve it, a movie, be- if they looked at the book. Right. Um. All right. So the two least uh, realistic things that happened this year in movies of in Chester, uh, number two was in War Dogs when uh, Ephraim Divaroli says uh, "Merry Christmas" to uh, David Pecuz. Right, because even if you like stop being orthodox, like they grew up, or even religious, like they're not saying Merry Christmas to each other. That's never happening. Uh, they and that if you saw that movie, they just they do that in that scene to um, establish the fact that they're such hard workers. They're working on Christmas and they don't even know it's Christmas. Um, at, but the least realistic scene in any movie this year is in Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, when the Jerry Jones character to like talk about a minor movie deal, like stops watching the Cowboys game for like a quarter. That, that would never happen in a billion years. Jerry Jones is not taking business meetings during a Cowboys game. Anyway, uh, sure. Thanks for yeah, noticing I'll, me, guys. I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, those are unrealistic moments. Um. Anyway, uh, okay. So at seventy-eight, you have Patriots Day. I wanted to talk about a few similar movies. Of yeah, I think this year we have Patriots Day. We could put in the same category Sully. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Deepwater Horizon. Uh, Deepwater Horizon. I would even once we, you know, I just mentioned War Dogs, so we could mention that. Um, and also Lion. I think all of those movies are in the same category, right? And Finding Dory. Um, right? I wouldn't necessarily agree, just because I think the first three we talked about, Patriot's Day, Sully, and Deepwater Horizon, are events that you know anyone who pays even right, okay, attention to right, 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 okay. like knows those stories inside and out. Fair already. enough. Right. Wait, so, what's Deepwater Horizon? Deepwater, about? That's it's about the, the BP. Film. The BP. Is okay. Still. Okay. Okay. So I, I mean, and what's so, and what's Sully about? It's about uh, the landing. Ignore of him. Ignore him. Ignore him. And, and what's the Boston Marathon movie about? <laughs> so anyway, um, but so all three of those movies, you have them all as like average movies. They're also the type that you see them in the theaters that, you know, they're really great in the theater. You know, it's a, it's a good date movie or it's a good like just go out and, and have a good time uh, movie. But, you know, the ending, maybe maybe it didn't work for you. But I also have Lion, which some people think is, you know, is nominated for Best Picture. Right. Some people think is a top 10 movie this year. Yeah. Lion was my wife's favorite movie of the year. OK. Which, by the way, which is totally fair if you didn't know the story, I think, because it's so impossible. And then you when you realize that it is a true story, the problem is I, I, the, I it had originally been a long read. And I guess then it got turned into a movie. And, and I think Vanity Fair and I'd happened to read it. So I knew, even though it was like five years ago and I had forgotten, like I thought I had forgotten, I knew the entire story. And like, I even remembered like things when I was watching the movie, like, oh, that didn't totally happen. Or it's, you know, this is like a little movie-ish. Um, but I think it, it was so paint by the numbers. And I'm sure you could say that for Patriot's Day and Sully, that it's, it, it's just a lower degree of difficulty, right? Yeah, well, so the thing that I would say about Sully, which is why I, I have it a tier above these other movies, is that it actually, you know, it takes the original story and then takes it in a new direction. That, yeah, which it makes up a completely a whole false story, which is complete bullshit. Fair enough, is, but it's a movie. And, you know, at, at least I wasn't just rewatching the news the way Patriot's Day and Deepwater okay. Horizon were, where, you know, yeah, I saw that on CNN already. I don't need to see it again. Uh, Sully, you know, fine. Maybe, maybe it was a true story. Maybe it wasn't. But it's a movie, and it was a new story that was, ba- you know, taken from a story that we knew well, which to me is a lot more interesting. Um, the uh, okay. So next up to me, we talk, You have line at seventy three. By the way, if people, if anyone wants Av's list, I, I can send anybody who who asks for your list. Right? You don't. You don't mind. And, yeah, sure. And but let's point out we're this is seventy three, but we're under the category of here of movies I liked a lot and recommend. So yeah, no, for sure. Seventy three shouldn't be an indication of not worth seeing. I think it was extremely worth seeing. Right. If there were seventy two movies better than Lion, it's a really good year because that's a totally. I mean, obviously, listen, it's not only for Best Picture. It's a totally good movie. Um, at 70, you have a movie that I only saw because it was on your list and it sounded so insane. Tickled. <laughs> Tell everyone about Tickled. So Tickled is the, the classic documentary that starts out being about one thing and then slowly turns into something else, and in this case, something far more nefarious. It Basically, it starts as this journalist in, I think, either Australia or New Zealand, and he's he just like kind of like playing around the internet, and he starts seeing these videos about people just tickling each other. And he digs deeper and deeper. It seems like, you know, there's this underground community of people who just get together and tickle each other, maybe in a sexual way, maybe not. We're not, he's not really sure. And I mean, without spoiling it, suffice it to say, you know, he uncovers something that is just very nefarious and it's, it's hard to make sense of, Um, you know, he encounters a dark individual from, you know, it turns out. This story moves, you know, a few blocks from where I currently live, which kind of, for me at least, made it, you know, a little bit 
more you know intense to all of a sudden find out that this story that started out across the world ended up a few blocks from where I live. And you know, I, I really don't want to spoil anything about this movie because it, there's just no way to see coming where this movie ends. Uh, yeah, no, don't don't spoil it. Um, it's so weird that it, it, like I'm not sure if I would recommend it. But if that sounds interesting to you, then check it out. It's not the best made documentary. The story is bad. No, it's it's definitely not. It's very amateur. You know, the 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 chief filmmaker clearly like he goes into situations and he hasn't like thought out the right questions to ask and that sort of stuff. But it's it's kind of more. It's kind of just like a. It's as if like you're just like going along for the ride with him. That's how just like real it feels. Right. It does feel real. That's that's good. Right. If it was more scripted, if it was more like Michael Morris, it would be like a little more set up. All right. Let's move all the way down to 40, a movie I just saw. Um, It's interesting because like I was thinking about um, you have movies where like the fate of the entire world is sort of like in the hands of the lead characters. Right. And like Independence Day, like if we mess up, like the whole world is over. Right. And then you have a movie like uh, Taken or Ransom where it's like we're just trying to save one person. Right. And then, so, number 40, you have Patterson, which is, I think, like, I can't think of a movie that's about less, that there's less at stake (laughs) than the movie Patterson. Yeah, that's fair. It's a really, really small movie. Um, Adam Driver, do you like Adam Driver, by the way? I do like him, yeah. He seems like he has no sense of humor. No, I disagree. I feel like he has zero sense of humor. Did did you guys watch the girls' season premiere, by the way, on Sunday? Yeah, I did. Okay, can I complain about something for a second? Because sure. this yeah, drove yeah. me nuts, and my wife didn't even notice it. Uh, so the first scene in the movie is Hannah has published a column in Modern Love. Oh, this is insane! Yeah. And everyone's reading a hard copy and, in the New York Times. Yes, exactly. It's, crazy. it's not. It's not. It's not like okay, they cut to her parents reading a hard copy. It is literally every single person she knows yes. is reading a hard copy of the New York Times. Which would never happen in 2017 and she in a million that. years. She has to know and that. This show isn't written by a 60 year old. This show's right. written by a 25 no, year old. I, I it's said insane. the same thing. And I said it Thank to myself because I watch it by myself. But like, I said the same thing. Insane. I feel that for time. Like, what would happen is that it would get published. She would immediately email all her friends and family. Maybe the next morning, some of them would go to the newsstand. But like, like Marnie's reading it on the toilet. I mean, it's that's crazy. ridiculous. It's crazy. At least, if, listen, if like three of them were reading a hard copy and yeah, exactly. I said all these things to my wife, and they show <laughs> I, I they show her buying New York Times's at the end of the scene. Yeah, exactly. So if they showed it at the beginning, exactly. then maybe she like sent them to everyone she knows. But clearly, she. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if we had like Lena Dunham, I'm, I'm contemplating now. playing this part of the podcast for my wife. The problem is, she'll listen to it, she'll shrug and say, "All right, so go have sex with Akiva," which would not be to my benefit. So <laughs> that's what she says. When I I cite you as someone who agrees with me against her, she has said that before. No, man. (laughs) Um, Anyway. Uh, All right. So, Sully, you have 39 if somebody's wondering where Av has Sully. And then uh, from 35 on, you have movies that get an A grade from Av. Um, uh, Talk to me about The Nice Guys at 31. The Nice Guys is kind of a a throwback movie. It felt a little bit like a 90s movie. Um, On On HBO Go right now, by the way. Yeah, I would say, you know, go see it. Um, you know, you don't, you don't see a lot of movies of this type anymore. It's usually either, you know, like the the big blockbusters or the really small indie movies. And this is kind of a, you know, middle class movie that you don't see a lot of anymore. And Did, Hold on. Didn't Matt – didn't um, Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell make the same movie like two years ago? Uh, it was called The Other Guys, I think. Yeah. That, yeah, I didn't see that one. <laughs> um, but, you know, it has uh, – it stars Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. They have – unbelievable chemistry together they're just a ton of fun together 
And, you know, they are two, I think one of them is a private eye, the other, or maybe they're both private eyes. And they're trying to solve this mystery that takes place, it takes place, I think, in the late 70s in L.A. And, you know, as I said, it's kind of like L.A. Confidential meets Boogie Nights, just in terms of tonally how I, how I saw it. And it was just a ton of fun. Yeah, that's my, that's my uh, number nine movie of the year. That's an incredible endorsement, by the way. L.A. Confidential meets Boogie, Boogie Nights. Yeah, that is a good endorsement. I had L.A. Confidential in my top 20 when we did our top uh, 100 movies of the last 25 years. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was as good as either of those movies, but I'm saying just in terms of the vibe, it kind of just combines the feeling of both of those movies just in terms of like the upbeatness and you know tone of Boogie Nights with kind of like the mystery in L.A. of the film noir of that scene. The the movie you have at number thirty, I actually have at number six, so we'll talk about it. Uh, the founder. Sure. The the thing about uh, you know, you watch a lot of movies in the theater. Wait, I thought we argued about this, and the decision was this was a twenty seventeen movie. So now it's no. back in twenty sixteen. No, this certainly twenty sixteen movie. No, we. That's what I said. It. That's what I said. No, we didn't 100%. argue. About it. You're may, it may be a different. Oh, it was movie with the, uh, Amir. Amir's the one who told me it was. Oh, you know, Amir's wrong. Amir's, Amir's wrong. wrong. Amir doesn't have a calendar. No. <laughs> um. But Amir, I think, also had like a 2015 movie. In it. I don't remember. Maybe he has a different rule. For Amir, need, Amir should buy a calendar. <laughs> it's, Benny, it's like Benny had this terrible – Wait, like, like a physical calendar with like, like yeah, 31 yeah, square? Yeah, he reads a calendar on the toilet. Yeah. Like, like Benny said he wouldn't give us his – like Benny is the U of TV, right? But he wouldn't give us his yeah. his it's best ridiculous. TV shows of the year because he goes – He views yeah, the he TV doesn't based season on TV season. September yeah, to so June because he's in 1997. Yeah. yeah, who's excited for February sweeps? <laughs> I don't even. I was wondering, do they still do? Do they still do sweeps? Do they do podcast sweeps? This should be a bigger episode. So. I think they do because I think they still do the break from like. Well, you know, why December. do you think we brought Av on the podcast? That's right. Av is Av is like his ratings gold. Um. So the thing about the founder is like I find that when I watch a boring movie, I'm on my phone like the whole time, or I'm like I like I have half a screen on a computer, and I'm like also on Twitter. But with the founder, I was like really in, like just enthralled and watching the whole thing, and it's it's really well made. Is it like the greatest story ever told? No, but it to me it's like it's such like a small interesting. It's not that small. It's like this you know the founding of like the biggest company in the in the whole country. But it's such like an like a narrow interesting story. What do you think about the founder? Yeah, uh, Michael Keaton is phenomenal. The the original McDonald's brothers, played by Nick Offerman and John Carroll Lynch, were also really good. It was a really well acted. movie. Did you know that story and, that like they sort of had the company stolen from them? No, I had I had no idea. I didn't know anything about that story. The, how, was, how, was, did McDonald's have anything like how distance how di- how far did they distance themselves from this movie? Um, I don't know. Well, Ray Kroc has logo, to be right? like so, a hero in, in McDonald's lore, right? Well, I mean, I would think the guy who created the, you know, the biggest company in the history of the world, perhaps, would be right, somewhat in that hero company. The, and they yeah, ended up at being least like, in that company. They ended up being uh, like big, like charity people, also. So it's funny that, like, in hindsight, he's a bastard. Ah, uh, Akiva, how would you rank Keaton's three recent sort of high-profile movies? His performance: what uh, are Birdman, the Founder, and Spotlight. I think this is his best. I would say this is his best. I really I like all three of those movies a lot. Yeah, I mean, I loved Spotlight. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Spotlight isn't his movie, obviously. But yeah. Birdman, Birdman is his movie. Yeah, I, I think he's better in this. I think Birdman's a better movie than this, but I think Michael Keaton does more in this movie. Uh, just briefly, Twenty Nine. You have Tower, which is a really good documentary. Same thing. Read a lo- real long article in Texas Monthly about it. It wasn't one thing in the movie that wasn't in the article, but there was a hundred things in the article that weren't in the movie. Um, yeah, I mean, though, this is a movie that I think is worthwhile more for just the way it's done. Oh, yeah, for it's, those it's like, know. What, what's the Israeli movie that's amazing that's very similar uh, to? Walt, Walt's with Bashir, it's yeah. similar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, the the filmmaker, he 
does these interviews with people, and then he uses animation to recreate the scenes as told to him by the interviewees. And it's well, hold really... on, you guys, you guys just said very contradictory things because Waltz with Bashir is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen, and it's a must see, even if you know the narrative that it's discussing. Sure, no, no, no. We're You're just talking about in terms of just the format. Is yeah, okay, because yeah, Kiva just said, well, Kiva just said no, that the tower. Knows I read what the... we mean Chester, except for well, no, 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 because I read Chester, the article. Obviously, stopped listening when we were talking. Yeah. And no, 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 no. hold on, hold on. I read the article. Okay, yeah. Akiva yeah. said, "If you read the article, there's no need to see this movie." You read. Then you you read said, the "Well, no, no, you." Hour? Yeah. So I said, and the did you reason see the movie? to see it is for the way in which the movie was made, sure. not necessarily for the story, which is similar to Walt's with Okay, Bashir. Yeah, and I'm saying so that's contradicting what Akiva said, which okay. is you don't need to see the movie it's if not, you read the article. It's not contradicting. No, listen. I, I yes, if, if you if cinematically, it's a great movie. Maybe check it out for a few minutes or the whole thing. But if you, I, that article is a hundred times better, just because like it's an amazing story where the 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 woman who gets shot while she's pregnant loses the baby, you know, basically like her whole life is sort of bouncing around like a hippie, you know, through a bunch of different husbands and eventually adopting a special needs kid like much later in life. So it's a really interesting story. Um, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert uh, to her life. Um, at twenty three, you have my number two movie of the year, and also AB Sutton's number two movie of the year. That is Wiener. To me, like, history, this may end up being, like, the most important movie of the year because, like, I feel like the history books will show that, like, maybe Anthony Weiner is, like, the reason that Trump is president and then, you know, and then this movie is, like, it's insane how much access he got. Like, documentaries a lot of time are just about access, right? Like, in the movie we're talking about Tickled, he gets five seconds with the main guy, right, on the street. Right. But here, like, you're there watching, you know, whom uh, Abedin, like, eat french fries in her house thinking, like, it's insane that she said yes to this for one minute. Yeah, well, there's there's specifically there's one scene that really bothered me in this movie. They're like they're filming him put baby to sleep, and they're clearly filming the shot from like the inside of the room because you see the door. Mm -hmm. And he like puts the baby to sleep, and then he walks out and closes the door, and the filmmakers are still in the room. The camera is still running. I was like, is it the room? You let the yeah. You let the cameraman stay in the room right. with All your three of us would be baby? like, yeah, our wives like would murder the cameraman before they let that happen. Yeah, I mean, that's insane. Um, I mean, the, I, was the a better question guess, I, kept, I didn't think about that at all, Chester. The question I kept asking myself as I'm watching this movie, over every five minutes, I'm like, why are they letting them film this? This is crazy. Why, like, why are they allowing this? And then with like five or ten minutes left in the movie, the filmmaker actually asks Anthony Weiner, why yeah. are you letting yeah. me film this? Yeah, it's insane. And that's just, it was just the perfect, you know, capturing moment of this entire, why does this movie exist? Why did you give these people access to the inner skeletons of your life? I mean, he must have convinced yeah. them that this is going to be like his big redemption story, which it maybe could have been if not for the fact that he had so many more skeletons in his closet that came out during the movie. But like, the, it, you know, he has just such bad judgment that I get, you know, like ultimately anything he ever did makes sense because at the end of the day, like he just makes the wrong decision 100% of the time, Anthony Weiner. Yeah, there's even there's even that scene where he's watching himself on I think with Lawrence O'Donnell and like yes. they're just yelling at each other. Yeah, and she he shows it to Huma and she's like, "Wow, that was really bad." Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, I know, right?" She, and she's like, "He's like, oh, you mean for me?" And she's like, <laughs> "Yeah," you, like he, he's just totally not self aware. Yeah, no, it was like I have no idea what she saw in him. She seems like so capable, and she could land like any guy. And then she's with this idiot. Well, you know, when you're uh, a, you know a secret terrorist cell, <laughs> you don't have a lot of choices. Got to got to take what you can. Can get. I can I transition for one second from Wiener to Wiener Dog? This was a movie that looked like a really stupid comedy, and I actually haven't seen, even though I thought I would at some point. 
But the reviews of this movie have actually been really good, and I've been shocked to see this movie on people's top ten list, like serious people's. But, Av, you had it at, like, 109 or something. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was fine. Um, it's Basically, it's it's like the story of a dog that, you know, goes from family to owner to owner over the course of time, and it kind of just – you get, like, a little vignette with each owner. And Will this, be, will this end up being the movie of the year, uh, like Akiva said Wiener might be? Will Wiener Dog end up being the movie of the year? I don't think so. <laughs> All right, I'll at least mention all of Av's top 20, although we don't have to get into detail about all of them. But at number 20, you have Don't Think Twice, which is my number seven. Um, and uh, to me, this is like a movie that's almost shocking that it didn't get made before this because it's like such a – I don't want to say it's generic, but like it, – you know, kind of an obvious movie to make. Right, yeah. it is an obvious movie. And it's like also it's weird because Mike, Berbig- Mike Berbiglia, who's great, I think all three of us like, is not really like Mr. Improv. So I think people were upset that he's the one who made it. Like, um, don't think twice. Yeah, I believe I, I, is, is a UCB. Wait, thing. was there like to, backlash against that? I'm sure in like their very. Like, I don't. I don't know much about the improv scene, um, but you know, I just, I just really liked it. For me, it wasn't really a movie about improv. It was just you know, kind of used improv. It was to me just a movie about a group of friends as you know people start growing up and careers start happening and relationships start happening and there's kind of that conflicting feelings of you know you have pride, you're proud of your friends for doing well, but you're jealous that. Their, their lives are going a little bit better than yours. And I think it just really captured the way that contradiction of friendship can like shatter a group or bring it together. Yeah. Um, and you also said in your review, uh, Gillian Jacobs is a surprise standout. I don't know if you watch Love, but Gillian Jacobs is great in everything. Um, yeah. I mean, I, didn't, I did not see Love. Actually, I've seen actually the, uh, the last episode of Love. Um, oh, I, uh, I have a friend named Ethan Benarsh. Uh-huh. You know, and he uh, he steals my Netflix account, and he watched the, the show Love on Netflix. And when I went to start the show, and I just like hit the button for the oh, show, oh, you accidentally watched the, the, the finale? Yeah, and I watched that. I'm like, I feel like they had like there's just like some missing information. That's I don't know whatever I watched. I was like, all right, that was good. And then and then I watched the next episode. I was like, this is, seems to be taking place before the events that I've seen. That's funny. And then I've realized that I had accidentally watched the tenth episode first. Can I just can I just point out the hypocrisy of the aforementioned Aton Bednarsh? He he goes on on Twitter and complains about the delegitimacy and immorality of Donald Trump to be our president, uh, and yet he uses someone else's Netflix account. That seems as morally abhorrent right, as uh, the various uh, behaviors nice. of Donald Trump. <laughs> All right, number nine. I've always said Aton is a, a hypocritizer. Um, number 19, you have Sing Street, which, I mean, everyone knows that I'm anti-British, but if I'm anti, like, but Wales, forget about it. I'm I think like, it's Irish. This is, this is Irish. I are think. you sure? I, they talk about, like, Wales stuff a lot. Oh, uh, could be. I thought it was Irish. Yeah. See, you hate Wales so much, you don't even know they exist. But I, I, it is a delightful movie. If it, if they redid it in America, I'd put it in my top 10, but it didn't make it. Yeah, and so the, the main thing, my main takeaway from this movie was... Why is there not a movie about every single big rock band and how they like started up as a band? Brilliant, right? But like people, people who make movies know about rock bands, right? Why don't they just make? There should be a U two movie and a Beatles movie and a Rolling Stones movie, right? And And also like the bigger bands lasted. You could make like eight different Rolling Stones movies at different points of their career. The only thing is like how much, like you could make a movie about someone who's not such a big deal, like and use their name. But, like, the Rolling Stones are rich, so they'll sue you. I, I wonder if it's a legal thing. Well, I would think that, you know, you would get some of these bands on board. They would make a ton of money. You'd put their songs in the movie. You, well, the, uh, you Sasha Baron Cohen uh, was going to do a Queen movie, and he was going to be Freddie Mercury. And, like, he said – I think he said this to Mark Mariner on some podcast when he was promoting um, a movie that's not in your top ten. Um, 
uh, what's that stupid movie called? The the one where he's like the, f- the special agent this year. His Sasha Baron Cohen's movie this year. Yeah, it had, it had a different name in England than it did in, anyway, um, in England. In um, uh, the uh, Chester, you Google that while I talk. And Are you uh, talking about Borat's? No, not Borat. The movie this year, the 2016. <laughs> no, he, he and the brother. I don't oh, know. I forget what it's called now. Uh, anyway, um, uh, so he said like that Queen wanted like most of the movie to be about like what happens after Freddie Mercury died, which to him was like super uninteresting. The Brothers Grimsby is what Brothers it's called Grimsby, in America. Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, so like because they got involved, they were like ruining it. and He dropped out, and I'm sure it'll exist, but like it would have been amazing with. Sasha Baron yeah, Cohen. Yeah, it's going to be now. It's going to be terrible. That'll be good. Yeah, sure, but I mean, there are many, many rock bands. That yeah, no, it's a very good point. Would, yeah, those. I would think you'd be able to find a couple that would go along with it. And once you know, you two does it, then the right. people are going to say, "Oh, why aren't we doing that? We can make a hundred million dollars." If they're like nothing. really involved, then like the ceiling of the movie obviously goes down a lot. Um, also, yeah, sure. also like the licensing for the actual songs. If you're like doing a Rolling Stones movie, it's like you know, two million dollars a song. It gets expensive. Um, 18, you have Deadpool. 17, you have something called Crescia, which has terrible, like, reviews and bad IMDb score. Briefly. Does it really? Yeah. I, it was, I thought it was very I'm high. Like, you had something at 17. I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch this. Because uh, I watch all of your all the movies you had in your top 50, basically, unless they're an action movie or a horror movie, which I don't care about. Um, uh, but this, yeah, it got really bad reviews, and I skipped it. So Crescia is 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, so it just has a terrible IMDb score. That's weird. So it the, has a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. Are you sure? I thought it was like a six one or something. Maybe when I maybe when right I checked, now. it was much lower. Sometimes, like so. By the way, IMDb can be sketchy. Like sometimes a movie can start out really low because like one person doesn't like it, and then they like make a hundred fifty. Yeah, I mean, I I usually go based on Metacritic. Okay. Where it's eighty seven, which is also a very high score. Speaking right. so of horror, at sixteen maybe... at sixteen you have Green Room. Fifteen you have Captain America: Civil War. Fourteen you have The Edge of Seventeen, which I really like. Talk about The Edge of Seventeen for a second. The Edge of Seventeen is, you know, it's fairly formulaic. You know, it's about it's a teen com- romance coming of age story. Um, you know, about a disgruntled, alienated teenager, but it's just really, really well done. Haley Steinfeld, which who I didn't even know who she was. Apparently, she's a singer also, but she's just fantastic in this. She is funny. She's smart. She has this relationship with her teacher Woody Harrelson, which is the most real student-teacher relationship I've ever seen because the teacher isn't this, you know, inspiring, amazing figure. It's just a teacher who's just trying to punch the clock. Wait, hold on, hold on. Av, I just want to point out, you're not watching Riverdale, though, so you haven't seen the Miss Grundy-Archie relationship. I'm not, I'm not familiar with the Miss Grundy-Archie relationship. But are you – Akiva, are you still watching Riverdale? Of course I am. Av, are you still – I mean, Akiva, are you still up to episode three? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. but it's getting so unrealistic. Um... <laughs> it's getting – Av, were you an Archie guy growing up, though? Yeah, I, my trunk in camp was usually filled half yeah, with Archie's. Totally, half with totally. Films. But but how come you're not interested in watching the show? I just I've heard that it's really bad. Yeah, because he's got to watch 138 movies. At 13, oh, you have 13. At 12, there was a few movies I didn't get to see in time for this. Oh, I didn't even do that intentionally. Putting 13, 13. Yeah, um, you have Kubo and the Two Strings at 12. The other like top movies that I thought might make my top 10 were Arrival and uh, The Lobster, but I didn't get to those three movies. Wait, Av, so we are three twenty-fourths of the way through 2017. How many movies have you seen so far this year? Uh, I've seen one. I saw yeah, the Lego you know, Batman the, movie. The good ones Sunday. don't start until, like, you know, May, basically. Yeah, the beginning of the year is very slow. And the top ten plus, will come out until the end of the year. The Oscar bait doesn't Plus, the, right. The, also, I, I know in my head, you know, the movies that are coming out now, I'll be able to see in the summer on video on right. demand, so there's no reason to rush there's the no theater run. to see them. Right. It's the, the end of the year is a very busy season for me. I go right. to 12, you have Kubo and the Two Strings. Do you ever see a movie by yourself, Av? 
You ever go to the theater by yourself? I see most movies by myself. Re- oh, so it's not like this is like not every Saturday night date night with your wife. This is you. No, uh, that would cost a hundred dollars. Yeah. Oh, so she stays home uh, with the kids. And... Um, I you know once in a while I'll go I'll go at night. Sometimes I've gone I've gone after work. You know I, I make it work. I I I would say out of the forty movies I saw in theaters, thirty. Five of them I saw by myself. Do you prefer to go by yourself, or is it a lot of them like, oh, there's a small indie movie, nobody else cares, and it's only playing? Uh, I'm sure I, some of these movies would, you see it's like playing in one theater in like downtown Manhattan or something. If if there if any movie that I would go to, if somebody was going wanted to go with me at that time, I would happily go with someone. Mm-hmm. But it's just much easier to see a movie when you're not dependent on somebody else's schedule. Sure. Yeah. Listen, I love it. Um, all right, number eleven for you is number one for me. Uh, that's American wow. Honey. My number one movie of the year. I really loved it. Such an original movie. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, so American Honey, it's – well, the first warning is that this movie is almost – it's almost three hours long, and it, it doesn't need to be that long. So that's – you know I'll just start with that minor criticism. But it's, it's the story of this young girl who joins together with a group of people who drive around the country trying to sell magazine subscriptions to rich people. And it's just a really sprawling look at – America and Americans in, a, in this specific time, it's, you know, specifically focusing on the types of people that movies are usually not made about. It's, you know, these people who live on the margins of society, who, you know, many of us probably don't even notice in our own lives. And it's just a really intimate, real portrayal. We, we spend a lot of time with these characters. It's filmed almost like a documentary and just letting the characters breathe and improvise. And just Some of the actors are clearly not actors. Yeah, I mean, it's just, just, it's just, it has a real authentic feel. And, you know, you just, it's, it, it tells a really good story about, you know, the way we have kind of have a two tiered culture with, you know, people who, who have lives that are, you know, we would want to live and people who are really struggling every single day to get to the next day. Um, to, I think I said this to you, but I, the two of us could have sat down in one day and cut a half hour of this movie pretty easily, though. Yeah, I mean it's it's too long. It doesn't need to. There's you know there's a lot of scenes where they're just like sitting on a bus or in a van and just driving around and talking, yeah. singing a song. Right. They the music the in this movie way. is incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just, it's a really beautiful movie. If you, I mean, if you're willing to put in the time to watch it, it's you know I, I think most people would really like it. Did you know the lead actress uh, who was like a no name before this is dating Shia LaBeouf now? Oh really? Yeah. They, yeah. Out, they out of the movie. They started out dating. That's Um. All right, number 10, you have Arrival. Nine, you have Silence. Why do you think Silence didn't take off? Again, well, so Silence also is a, it's a very long movie. You know, it's a, it's a Marty Scorsese movie, which means it's going to be close to three hours. Uh, like any Scorsese movie, it's just absolutely beautifully shot. It's, you know, it's his attention to detail is just impeccable. Um, it's ultimately, though, you know, it's a story about faith and religion. And for a lot of people, that's just going to be a non-starter, I think, you know. It's really just spent a lot of time examining the nature of faith. And it's, it's just, well, just to back up, it's a story of these two Portuguese monks, I guess they were be called, and they go to Japan to try to, you know, be Makari people, to, <laughs> to proselytize yeah, them and get them to, yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I know, you have a lot of non-Jewish listeners. Um, to try to get these like, Japanese people in, I think, the 1600s or 1700s to become Christian. And they get persecuted for it because Japanese society isn't ready or doesn't want to have this religion brought to its land. And 
it's just a, I thought it was just a really interesting look at what happens when one society tries to import its culture to another society. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, there was definitely tones of the war and the war on terror and the war in Iraq and that sort of lessons to be taken away about, you know, cultures have a prologue that came before today and you can't just start from scratch and not understand what came before in this place. All right. Um, your next movie uh, was so high on so many different lists. Um, that's at number seven. That's everybody wants some. Um, you, let just uh, some some of our listeners. Bob Phelan has this as number three of the year. Um, Amir has it at eighty six. Amir has it number one. Has it number one, and I think a couple other listeners uh, also had it super high up. Um, and to me, this didn't make my top twenty. wasn't even close, really. Uh, I thought it was just another movie. Uh, I said to Chester that they were clearly too cheap to pay for any baseball scenes, and that's why there's no baseball in the movie, and there's no deeper reason other than like it would have been annoying. And this is a cheap movie. Um, it, it feels like a movie without like a real central like character or or like anyone to root for or care about. It's interesting. It's definitely not bad, and I love Richard Linklater, and I agreed with you before that his previous movie was you know one of the best movies ever made. But to me, this is it, – it, I don't understand why it's in everyone's top ten. Hold on. Before Av responds, can I pile on? Yeah, pile on. Okay. So to me, this is by far the most overrated movie of the year. I was really insanely pumped for this movie. You know, I like Linklater. Uh, you know, Days of Confused is the best high school movie ever. This supposed to be a continuation of that. And the first scene of the movie starts, and it's so bad and cliche, and I'm like, all right, well, let me just wait for the scene to end. And then that, like, the entire movie is basically like that one scene. Like, all this movie is a bunch of dudes crushing it with hot chicks, high five. It's like completely unrelatable and that fake. Was, that was it makes the viewer uh, think. Stuart Gasner impression of Chester. No, it just makes the viewer think. Like, if you didn't get to college and immediately started hooking up with a bunch of like really hot girls on your first day, then you were a huge loser because that's what everybody else was doing. And like, it's well, not even like. To be fair, these guys are. Athletes, right? They're on a a baseball team, so that's not quite the the experience of most people. Exactly, and the reason Dazed is such a great movie is because we see the perspective of so many different kinds of kids. We see the cool kids, the nerds, the freshmen, the seniors, the boys and girls. Uh, You know, even the supposedly cool kids in Dazed, like like the Ben Affleck character, for example, exhibit some complexity. It's not just every cool guy constantly making it. uh, You know, with with uh, with every hot girl. So, and everybody wants them is like totally opposite to me. Um, you know, I get the argument. This is a movie about one crew who happens to be like superstar college athletes. So they're going to be very physically fit and very popular and love, you know, any girl they want. But if that's the case, like how is anyone who wasn't a star college athlete supposed to relate to this movie? Okay. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what I liked about it. I'm not going to tell you that you should have liked it. But so to me, this was a very, you know, it was a, it was a movie about a very specific group of people, specifically a group of people for whom this is the peak of their life. They are entering college as these jocks who are in a, a school where college baseball is huge and girls just want to be with them. And if you, if you notice, the movie has like a clock running starting at the beginning, you know, counting down until when school starts. And I just think it perfectly captured that feeling that even those of us who were not, you know, sports stars in college have of you understand in that moment that this moment is going to end and that real life is about to start. And that you have this small window of time to figure out what type of person you want to be. And I just really think that it really nailed that feeling. And, you know, you see them, there's like a night where they go out to, to a bar and, you know, they get thrown out of one bar. So they go to a cowboy bar and then they go to a disco bar and then they go to a, 
you know, a punk rock band bar. And they're just people that are in a place in life where they're just saying yes to life and just being culturally open-minded and just doing what other people are doing and trying different things to right. figure I out can understand why what direction do I want my life to go in. Look, I, I understand it's not the purpose of the movie, but for a movie that is like ostensibly a comedy, is there like what's like the most memorable line in this movie, in your opinion? Um, I don't. I wouldn't say a line, but I particularly liked the guy who was terrible at making bets. I thought he, that was a really funny character. Yeah, yeah, that was that was okay. Uh, no. I, I would say uh, if you want to appreciate a movie about the unique experience that is your time in college, go watch Animal House for the eighty seventh time instead of Everybody Wants Some. Hot take. Hot take from Chester. Bob's number six is Hell or High Water. It's actually my number three. You wrote that Taylor Sheridan wrote a brilliant screenplay about the 2016 election, and he somehow did it in 2012. Uh, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. Um, so this movie is about a, two brothers who are bank robbers in rural Texas. And, you know, they go from bank to bank, and they're, they're robbing it. And at first you just think they're regular bank robbers, but it, it, their, their motivations behind what they're, why they're doing it becomes – clear as the movie goes and it it has to do with the way you know these banks have fucked over the people in the town and as you go further along you you start to realize that the townspeople don't seem to particularly care that these banks are getting robbed because they're just like fuck yeah these banks ruined our lives and even the cops who are trying to track them down you know they're doing their jobs and trying to track them down but they also kind of feel like yeah whatever rob these banks they're assholes and I just thought it was a, a really powerful insight into, you know, some of the feelings that were percolating beneath the, the surface that many of us either didn't see or didn't want to see. And just the, the hatred and backlash that happened against the establishment and the financial sector of, you know, the part of America that was left behind and just was willing to commit an act of terrorism against the United States by electing an idiot madman to run the country because that's how desperate they were. Uh, number five, you have The Lobster. Um, at number four, uh, you have O.J. Made in America, which I, some people would argue is a television show. It's also my number four. Um, it literally, I believe, only played once in any theater because it's so long. Um, and yeah, literally like 50 so people. 50 people in the whole country probably saw this in the theater. Wesley Morris was one of them, though, apparently. I think uh, it was a couple of people on my Twitter feed who were, who were like in there like reporting live from the movie. Um uh, but uh, definitely great. Hard to really compare with the other movies on this list. Um, and uh, thankfully, I guess Bill Simmons uh, getting fired from ESPN, like, uh, you know, robbed us of Bill Simmons winning an Oscar and like being coming just a hundred times more insufferable. Yeah, Oscar winner Bill Simmons yeah, would be a, a tough world to live um, in. And so, so the top three movies, most people's top three this year. Let's, you know, tell me why I guess they're in this order. But only one of the three make my top ten even. So at three, you have La La Land. At two, you have Moonlight. And at one, you have Manchester by the Sea, which I mentioned on a podcast in like May or whenever we did our movies podcast. I said, um, you know, it had just played at some theater and like people went absolutely bananas over it. And I said, oh, that's going to be like, Yeah, oh, and we, I know you and I are both fans of Margaret, his uh, kind of lot of Yes, yeah, and, and I loved Margaret. Um, and... I actually liked it. It's definitely a great movie. I liked it. Like, I thought for sure it would be a number, my number one movie of the year all year, and it ended up not being that. Um, so, you know, let's talk about those three movies. I guess start a little bit with La La Land. Chester, do you see La La Land? No. It doesn't stop me from having a hot take about it, though. Well, I'll, oh, let me just sure. say, let me just say this. In yeah. 2019, if somebody called you up, Bob, and said, like, hey, what are you doing tonight? And you said, I think I'm going to stay in and, like, uh, watch La La Land tonight. 
they're going to call like you know the police and like have you committed to a mental institution. Like, it's but hold on, but Akiva, that's true. Every time Hollywood makes a movie about Hollywood, mm-hmm. they you know like the artist is another example. In yeah. hindsight, the artist was not a great movie. Nobody's going to rewatch the artist five years later. But Hollywood was busy sucking itself off because they made a movie about Hollywood, and that's what Hollywood and loves the same, to do. The same and give itself awards. With, the same thing with um, uh, shoot, what's the name of it now? The movie with one take the whole time. Birdman. Yeah, yeah, Birdman. No, but Birdman. I think. Well, yeah, I agree. But Birdman was a better movie than like the art. The artist was like fine for the hour and a half I watched it, and I'll never remember it again. The artist sucks shit. I have no idea why anybody liked it. So that's not even my hot take about La La Land. My hot take about La La Land is like, and again, I haven't seen it, so I acknowledge (laughs) I'm saying this blindly. But but like the whole shtick is like, oh, here's some actors, and they're not even really good at singing and dancing, but they're going to do it anyways. And oh no, but the fact that they're not so good is like what you're supposed to like about it. And like I read some reviews that said like. At the Oscars, which means I read some reviews that said like anybody who likes this movie or, or is raving about how this is such a great movie needs to win awards should be slapped six times and forced to watch Singing in the Rain because Singing in the Rain, which was made seventy five years ago, is a thousand times better singing, a thousand times better dancing. Gene Kelly and the recently this departed is Debbie like Reynolds. One hit like catchy song that came out of this movie. Like what's like the song that people are walking around? It's not like Hamilton, you know, or or Dear Evan Hansen or like one of these. Uh, I mean, I, I think there's a number of great songs. I've been listening to the the soundtrack a lot since I've seen it. Um, you know. The City of Stars, which is the main theme that runs throughout the movie, I thought was a phenomenal song. I actually assumed that it was just like an old classic jazz song that I didn't know. I didn't realize they wrote it for the movie. That's how just authentic and real it felt. I'm also anti-jazz. Um, like, I don't think – I think jazz is overrated. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of what the movie is getting at in a way is that people just write off jazz, and but they, they haven't really experienced it. I mean, not that I'm – Well, listen, I write off Nintendo, fan. and like it used to be great, and now it you know it doesn't exist anymore. Like VHS players, like not everything well, has Nintendo, to <laughs> – Nintendo is back. Well, okay, fine. That's why I switched to VHS players or VHS players back. Um, then Moonlight, definitely a great movie. Um, uh, talk to me about Moonlight. So Moonlight is it's a story of a, a young black boy who we fairly quickly learn is also gay. And he lives in Miami in the, you know, the drug scene in Miami. Uh, his mother is a, a drug addict. And the story basically covers three points in this child's life, basically around when he's, you know, seven or eight, then when he's a teenager, and then when he's in his 20s, uh, using three different actors, obviously, to play him along the way. And it's just a really intimate experience as you really just get to know this child as he's just trying to understand himself and go through the world. And, you know, each of the actors are obviously totally different people, but they're each totally believable as the same character, which is just, to me, was an incredible accomplishment. And, you know, the way he just, he grapples with his own sexuality and he grapples with his race and his, and his identity and his class are just, you know, to me was just, it really resonated with a lot of what's going on in the world right now. And I just found it to be an absolutely marvelous movie. I, I can't wait to see it again. I don't know what's going on in the world right now, but I'll take your word for it. I'm too busy seeing all those movies this last month that you gave me homework for. Um, uh, and number one, Manchester by the Sea. Here's my hot take. I think Casey Affleck's mumbling. I feel like uh, there's 20 actors that would have done a better job in this role than Casey Affleck. Uh, Akiva that- has no problem with Casey Affleck's alleged sexual assaulting, but his mumbling, that's, that's his really offensive behavior. Yeah, well, you know, on screen and off screen. I don't know, I, to me, he's he just like I, I don't know. I understand like maybe that's supposed to be the character, but he's all he also has no. Charisma and, and what's the stick he's doing with the beard right now? He's going around with a beard, claiming it's for a role. Do people say it's not? 
maybe he's playing himself in a movie about he's doing like a weird Joaquin Phoenix type thing. Yeah, he's yeah he's doing like a second version of that. It seems like uh, he doesn't have a lot of charisma. I've seen him on like a late night show. I don't I don't know. To me, uh, I think this was originally supposed to be Matt Damon, and I don't know if Damon would have been the perfect. It was one. yes. But I, I you know I I don't I don't know if you could think of someone, but I feel like someone would have been like, I mean Michelle Williams was amazing in this. Now, uh, the scene between them is probably the best movie scene of the year, right? It's you know it's 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 yeah. ending. Um, I, I mean, I would I, say the to me the the best scene of the this best scene of the year was the last you know ten minutes of La La Land, and I would say that was the, my second favorite scene of the year. Mm-hmm. Also, I mean, you know, I, some of the choices with like what order they depicted things in, I could quibble with also, but it's definitely a great movie. I had it at number five, um, which is only bad because you know I again I, I assumed it would be number one. Uh, some of the listener lists that I just called up here, Nick Nickish has La La Land as his number one. Amir has Manchester by the Sea as number one. Zach Brooks sent me his top ten, but he didn't order them. So either his number one is Arrival or 10 Cloverfield Lane. <laughs> Depending on if it's one to ten or ten to one. Um, I oh, assume Arrival is one, but I don't know why you'd put, uh, like, you'd go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten. Most people have count down. But um, it's, were there any other movies? Uh, you did such a great job here with this list. Uh, and again, if somebody wants Av's list, I'm happy to email it to him. Um, was there any other movies you wanted to discuss that we didn't get to, Av? Um, I thought Jackie was really well done. Uh, we skipped over that. Oh, that's, uh, that's in Chester's you know, Alley. That's, a, by the way, when I said I don't watch horror. Yeah, um, you know, so I mean, I, I saw Jackie as you know, kind of trying to understand a fundamental question, which, you know, I've always wondered, you know, what was it about John F. Kennedy and his presidency that, you know, 50 years later, it's still has such a strong place in American culture and in the American imagination. And the movie's answer is basically that Jackie Kennedy, in in the days after he died, was just this PR guru that was able to spin this legacy that didn't really exist and use the power of memory and storytelling to create this, you know, vision of Camelot, which I, I had only, I only learned from watching this movie that the terminology Camelot as applied to, John F. Kennedy's presidency was only created by Jackie Kennedy after he died. I, you know, I always assumed that was something that people referred to it as he was alive and as it was happening. And she just somehow, you know, she, she studied the, the way in which Lincoln's funeral was done and tried to replicate that. And, you know, we, here we are 60 years later and John F. Kennedy is one of considered one of the most important and transcendent figures in American history, despite the fact that, his presidency was only lasted a couple of years, and not much actually got done. You know, he certainly planted the seeds for things that happened later, but it's just it's it really is a resounding answer to that question. And you know, I don't know how historically accurate it was, but I just found it incredibly fascinating. Think about how many Trump yeah, movies like this our kids are going to have to watch. <laughs> oh yeah, it's going to be terrible. I mean, if they still have movies, then. well, they'll be they'll be in Russian with, with hopefully with English subtitles. <laughs> English subtitles. Um, all right, so Jackie's. Oh, so that's it. Uh, Chester, do you have anything we didn't get to? No, I didn't see enough movies this year to have a lot right, of well, comments listen, here. Thank you for being a good sport, then, Chester, and uh, facilitating this conversation between Avi and myself. Avi did a really great job, um, but now thank you you, you, ha- you can't like go down. Malin Bakodish, but Ain Moridin. So you have to. Yeah, I, I, have, I have a feeling it's. I'm not going to quite hit that number this year. You know, this was just a, a perfect storm. Everything came together. Um, you know, but think I'll, about. I, like... I'll aim to to be. Think about how much I'll worse things you're going to get this year. Like, you're going to need the, the magic of Hollywood to get you out of, like, what's going yeah, on in your life. The All right, so, Av, Av, your wife is not going to listen to this podcast, I assume, correct? I hope not. Okay. And, 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 
and and we're strictly non-snitching. So this is my question: the the forty movies, the thirty-five movies that you went to see in theaters without your wife. For what? For how many of those thirty-five did she know that you were at the theater? In other words, and for because I she was she, you you must have told her you were gonna you were working or something. No, I, I often went would go. The main time that I watch movies is usually like you know nine thirty or ten o'clock after she goes to sleep. So at which point she doesn't care if I go see a movie. Oh, you go to the theater at ten o'clock at night. Sometimes um, I also yeah, okay. there were there were a number of times is, on is the, there a movie Fridays in the summer. I don't, I'm not I I'm not sure I know where you live, but if I if you live where I think yeah, you live, I live in I live in Long Island. There's about is five there a movie six theater movie theaters within, okay, fine. within fifteen minutes. One of, of the weird things about growing up in the five towns, uh, where your wife grew up, also is like it's like a weird drive to get to the movie theater from where we are, even though it's like a po- well populated area. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm like much closer to like. Woodbury. Right, right, right. Yeah, but I'm saying we either have to go to like Lindbrook or Rockville Center. It's, you know, legit like 18, 20 minutes to, to go to the theater. Yeah, the so there's one movie theater that's like two minutes from my house in Malvern. Um, and then, you know, there's the Roosevelt Field Mall, which is about 12 minutes from my house. And then there's, you know, a few others. This all has been Malvern. Where Of Goes the Movies, in case anyone was curious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is, oh, we please, should do the. Please, please rank, yeah, every theater in. Uh, Central Long Island. What, what do you sure get? You uh, what do you that. get when you go to the movies? Are you like a Twizzler guy? You go so often, do you not like? No, that? I don't get. I don't get anything. I don't get anything. You, you know what, Chester? Dreams. I don't know if you heard, but Chester and his wife like go to CVS <laughs> and like sneak snacks in Chester's pants. <laughs> I'll sometimes, I'll sometimes bring a snack in my pocket. I, I never get anything to drink because I have the bladder of an eighty-year-old. Right, man. then you have to go pee like forty times in the middle of a movie. If, if I drink nothing, then I have to go once. If I drink, then you know I'm, I'm going several. Do you times. check. Uh, yeah, I've long been on record as saying I think. America should have intermission during movies. Oh, it, absolutely! It, they would. Um, they make so much more money at the concessions. It makes no sense to me why they don't do it. Yeah, the Hateful Eight, which I saw last year, had an intermission in the middle, and it was great. You got to yeah. refill your popcorn. You got to go to the bathroom. in Israel. In Israel, they do that. Av, do check uh, go, makes run, sense. gop.com, whatever that site is, to see like what the best Yes, I, I, I use that regularly. That's yes. funny. Oh, really? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, they don't always have every movie, especially like the newer movies. Yeah, or some the of the small movies. ones you see, probably. They don't I always them. wonder, though, how many times do you think the person who does it has to see a movie before he could determine? Well, what do you think? That, twice, that, like, right? your critics? Like, it's one person. <laughs> Whatever the person that sees that you, does a specific. By the way, movie. you should be like you see so many movies. You should be one of the guys on the site, sort of like pitching in your input. You, you know, you're you're one of yeah. these guys like a wave. You, you're taking, but you're not giving the traffic information. You have to, you, yeah, you have to see it at least twice. I would think, right? There is no way that the people on GoP.com yeah. are watching yeah. a movie. Why do you need to see it more than once? <laughs> Because how are you supposed to remember the exact time? No, it is hard. But listen, if you go in with that, you're watching the movie and you jot a note. You say, "All right, this is a good time to go pee." Well, you don't By know the way, those the people over cannot, if this, if this, which scenes mattered and which ones didn't. Those people cannot, under any circumstance, um, pee during a movie because then they might miss the go pee part of the movie. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Unless there's an app for the people who use go pee. No, that's true. Now we're going next level. Um, what if they just like ask the director, like, all right, what's the least important part of the movie? Like, yeah, you I'm sure directors are, are thrilled to tell you which parts of their movies. <laughs> like, if see. I have to pee, where should I go? Yeah, yeah, that, I was gonna cut that movie at that part of the scene, that scene anyway. So go pee. That's that's why that's why uh, you know American Honey and Manchester by the Sea are like a little long. Just yeah, giving you ex, yeah. you know well, giving Marty, you two bad Marty numbers. Scorsese thinks that there are scenes <laughs> in his movie that you. What about like OJ Made in America? There's like when do you like go home and take a nap during that movie? Like at the third, yeah, the third that's all, that's a, I can't imagine that people actually sat and saw that. In the oh, people it's did. Crazy. It was like I remember on Twitter that day. There was a couple like reporters and they were like falling asleep and live tweeting because even like in that movie there was like two hours like okay fine 
OJ's going to be out. I'm very excited. I think we're going to get OJ on the podcast soon, hopefully. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. I, I hope I mean, we have be, he, There's going to be such a podcast rush for OJ. I'm not sure we're going to get to him. But All right, is, if, if we get him on, then that will have to be for the Worst Living Americans episode. Well, he'll help us. That would be great if we had him pick. Yeah. He was just like, yeah, bring OJ on to like trash Steve Bannon. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I wonder if, like, I mean, it's, by the way, we joke, but, I mean, do OJ and Trump have a relationship? Like, OJ could easily make it into the cabinet. Like, Trump's going to run through people so quickly. Like, there's no, like... Could, oh, I, the, I'm sure in the 80s that they had some kind of relationship. No, there's sure. no way they didn't cross paths. Like, what if OJ became, like, the fourth national security advisor in, like, July? They definitely golf together. Oh, that would be great. That would be great. Um, all right. I'm very excited for the OJ era of being out of jail. Hopefully, he'll make it out. I don't know what good shape he's in anymore, honestly. I don't think he's in good shape. Uh, this was so fun. You did such a great job. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Al. And I guess the next time everyone hears us, we will be doing the uh, Greatest American Athletes uh, of all time. So if you have any ideas about that, send them in. But we're, we're pretty much locked in for uh, like 150 candidates for our 64-person bracket. Uh, thanks so much. Chess, do you have anything to say? Something Nope. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.